you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding and you ask me to tell everybody to subscribe to Haven't Seen It podcast on Apple and Spotify, to leave a five-star review, and to follow them on Twitter and Instagram, at Seen It Pod. That is what you think of me? The Godfather, coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where at least one of us is watching this movie for the very first time. And today, that is Tommy. He just saw The Godfather for the first time. Tommy, how dare you you started a movie podcast and you have never seen the godfather i mean what the <laughs> fuck dude uh i just i just never got around to it i mean like i saw like goodfellas when i was in like uh high school and for a while i was like ah, i was good and uh for some reason it just kind of felt like one of those things where like it's a three-hour movie and you have to block off significant time so one of our friends would always tell us like oh you gotta watch the godfather when to ask for movie recommendations i was like i'm not trying to watch a fucking epic movie right now which this movie was it was really good but it's still it takes a lot of planning to get around to watch The Godfather in one sitting. <laughs> I mean, it, it does take planning. And I know you were busy this weekend and you put in our group chat, oh, Tim, Tim's really testing my commitment to the podcast by making me watch The Godfather. I'm like, poor Tommy. Oh, you have to watch oh, The Godfather. No. <laughs> oh, woe is me. Oh, my God. Do you hear yeah, yourself How- sometimes when you just throw things oh, no, out into I- the ether? I knew I knew immediately what was going on right there where I was like, I know I'm being just like such a fucking jackass, but it's just like part of me I, is like fuck. I have to I have to watch like something for three hours, like right before work. <laughs> and I didn't uh, roast you in the chat just because I was saving it for this moment. I was like, I wanted you to think, oh, he missed it. Like I gave him a window to to take a shot at me and he he didn't go for it. And you know, I I, I noted and I wait and I waited. That's what I did. Yeah. So uh, it, it was it was definitely uh, one of those things where like when movie first started and like eventually I was like all right fuck it I committed I uh, Timmy would be proud of me I uh, for the most part have my phone on no, do not disturb so I pay attention for the whole movie um, I have my multicolor light set up and my sound bar set up so it was just the full movie experience for me as much as I can make it in my own home my own little home movie set that I got so I tried at least yeah. <laughs> I liked it I liked this movie. I, well, I, I would hope so. Actually, I think it would be really interesting and base. We were just like, nah, fuck this movie. This movie sucks. <laughs> if I come in, I'm like <laughs> zero, zero out of five stars. People are so fucking up their own asses when they're talking about how much this movie's great. Fuck I mean, this movie. you know, you know, there are people out there that do have that take. And I just, I think when you're talking about some of these movies, something like The Godfather, I, I consider this one of the most iconic movies in American cinema. My, mm-hmm. t- my top three would be the wizard of oz star wars the godfather i know you said jaws and you could pick a fifth there's like uh, there's so many but i think though probably citizen kane like when you're talking from like an auteur you know like artist standpoint maybe not so much for an audience perspective or especially contemporary audience um yeah like you said it's just so iconic in, in that way where it's just like you know this is one of the movies that is 
known as when you think of movies this is one of the first ones you think of really so i mean like shame on me for taking uh 28 years of my life to watch it i guess but uh glad i did so i want to touch upon uh you're talking about the one star like people probably hate this movie you go to imdb and um there's a recent even one star review where someone says against the grain one star out of 10 this movie bored the pants off of me one hour in it's still clogging along with all the bad camera angles and awful condition errors not for me <laughs> i mean i mean i camera bad camera angles like come on yeah come on buddy really my, you have my, to wonder if it's trolling <laughs> i'm let's see my mother does not like this movie for one singular reason which is the best moment in the movie so we will that's a teaser we're going to touch upon okay. it a little bit later when we get to it but anyway yeah. here's the godfather the godfather is now a movie from paramount rated r I love that so much. It was the only TV spot I could find. I love that in 1972. That was their idea of it. It's just this book was because this book was massive at the time, too. Yeah. So you have this book, this epic book that they were that I mean, has transcended the book. People don't think of the book as much as they do. The same the thing movie. with Jaws, because Jaws is like that, too. So it's just um, how some of these classic movies are just based off novels and they just overtook popularity. Because, yeah, I. I you almost never hear about the Godfather in a novel. Everyone's talking about Brando or, you know, Pacino and shit. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting because I never read the book. I know in Jaws, the, the main change that I've I've heard, because I've never read either of the, the original books. Hmm. In Jaws, it was that uh, Dreyfus's character, uh, Hooper, was cheating on, or not Hoop, Hoop Dreyfus's uh, character. Dreyfus, yeah. Was cheating uh, with Hooper's wife. And that was like, they cut that out because it wasn't needed. What I read, one of the big changes or one of the big cuts is in the book, there's like a chapter devoted to Sonny's dick and how big it is when he has sex. Like they, there are a lot of comments on how big his penis is. It's just the whole chapter. Like he had the biggest fucking dick. (laughs) If you're into... If you're into those uh, romantic books, ladies, pick up the Godfather novel. You will be in for a treat. <laughs> Are we talking like George R. R. Martin levels of like just his wiener was magnificent? <laughs> I, I have no idea. George R. R. Martin writes like a history nov- history writer, not like a novelist, in my opinion. That's how his books kind of come off. But anyway, I I think this is... <sighs> A movie that I don't know exactly where to start because it's such a giant. It's such, it's a giant. So Tommy, okay. did you've been told a million times you got to watch The Godfather? What do you mean you haven't seen The Godfather? Like blah, blah, blah. it became well, a thing of contrarian at a certain point where I was like, of course, <laughs> of course, yeah. Did it live up to the hype? Is the first question. It it did live up. Uh, it did live up to the hype. Um, I wouldn't say it's my favorite mob movie of all time, um, which almost feels sacrilegious to say. No, it's not my favorite mob. My favorite movie of all time is Goodfellas. Uh, I would assume that's the one you're referring to. Yeah, Goodfellas. I uh, even saw this in our friends group chat the other day, but this movie was good. Uh, but Goodfellas, I thought was a lot better. For Goodfellas, I felt it was a more tightly constructed movie, but uh, not, not to compare the different movies. But with Godfather, there's some parts in this movie that I felt kind of honestly dragged on a little bit. Like I didn't need so many scenes of just like 
almost too much backstory. We could have worked almost a little. Mm-hmm. If this movie, if this is made today, it'd be a miniseries, you know? Yeah, but I, I disagree with you because I think you need the backstory because I've seen this movie five, six times at this point. And each time I watch it, I forget parts and I pick up on part of that. But like your first viewing, you're like, it's over, it's an overwhelming amount of information in this movie to kind of yeah. pick up the mob wars, what's going on with all these characters. Cause you, you get four or five focal points. It's a really interesting movie to kind of talk about 50 years later. Cause this is the 50th anniversary. And when we're comparing yeah, it to a movie like Goodfellas, I don't I know they're both mobster movies. I don't even consider them the same genre of mobster movie. Goodfellas was almost like the response to The Godfather. The Godfather. Yeah. Good Goodfellas was <laughs> this is actually what the mobs like. The Godfather is what people imagine is- that fantasy life of being in it because in this movie there's death obviously, but it's not as you know dramatic and uh, or not dramatic is the wrong word it's not as unbearingly sad towards the end and with no way out and maybe it's just because the age it was taking place in and yeah. obviously that's part of point part two is where they dive into that much more but even the sopranos th- this movie's legacy in is... some ways um this movie in some ways this movie was more of like a part one obviously i mean you know the yeah. godfather part one but it's just really the beginning of it. We don't really see the rise and fall. And honestly, in some ways, I feel like my review is almost incomplete because I haven't seen The Godfather 2. I mean, would you say that I really like, or or do you think that I can just get a full picture of everything? I, I think the story stands alone because part two is... It, it focus, does. It, it focuses on the rise of Don Corleone and the fall of Michael Corleone. And they intersect... In that regard, this is a single story. This is this is this one tale where that has two different things going on. And I mean, they're both fantastic movies. I know there's a cut of the two in order. So it starts with the uh, De Niro scenes in Godfather 2, mm-hmm. cuts to present day in Godfather one and then ends with the Cor- Michael Corleone scenes in Godfather 2. I'm not sure so, if they added three in, but we don't need to f- worry about it. Well, yeah, three, three is a whole other thing uh, that I'm probably not going to watch, um, which would you probably say would be the best. Um, but anyways, uh, uh, so in that way, like kind of the bookend, if this movie was the only one, if Godfather 2 never happened, in some ways, the ending of this movie would have been one of the all-time like what-if endings. Like, what do you think really happened to Michael Corleone there? And even me not seeing the second one yet. I mean, I know a little bit of what happened. Like yeah. obviously he takes over like a family control, but it's like how corrupt would he have been or like how many people does he kill or whatever? Like how does he, is he more noble? Like his father somewhat, or is he just like a piece of shit? It kind of leads to like an open-ending question, which really is why they made a sequel because you want those questions answered. Yeah. Well, so I think one of the things that I, really noticed this time around and it is about michael corleone is an al pacino al pacino is so known for his like hoo and just his like zaniness and that energy he is so stoic and reserved and in control in this movie it's crazy it shocked me 
yeah, yeah it's, shock- it's it's shocking how different a performance this is from what you would consider an Al Pacino performance. He's one of his greatest performances, and you know he's he he's got a she's got a great ass like that's his most famous line. This yeah. movie is it's so different. It's so it's almost it almost stands out from the rest of his filmography. I haven't seen everything he's done, but from his bigger well-known things well uh does does he eventually like get into that more in godfather 2 where he's shouting a little bit more at least or i mean he yells a little bit more but it's 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 still not controlled it's it's controlled i i think this movie cements pacino's legacy because i think he's got some really great movies in there but he's also got his fair share of stinkers like in in his prime in his prime i'm talking about when you compare it to de niro de niro was on a heater until all his restaurants in Soho flopped and he had to just start making as much shit as he possibly could to just make some money. <laughs> no, that, honest, I, I was I was thinking about this is only the third Pacino movie I made uh, I've watched actually all the way through. What what are the other two? Um well uh, maybe four because I've seen Insomnia with uh, Christopher Nolan, that mm-hmm. one great movie. Um I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and That's... I've seen yeah, that, um, that classic Al Pacino film. I've seen I've seen Ocean's Thirteen. Okay, I've seen that. I don't even remember anything about that though. Um, it's and I've the seen, same as Eleven. Uh, what's it called? Uh, the Irishman and this now. So I mean, I still haven't seen a lot of things, but I mean, like in the pop culture osmosis way that like Al Pacino is really known just being the loud aggressive guy. So when I saw this movie, I was expecting to be more in that role. I didn't. I was kind of shocked at the beginning of the movie that Michael Corleone was kind of more very much differently than from his uh, family and James Khan took over the role of being the more shouty, angry type here. And um, J- which James Khan is fantastic too. Uh, yeah. In this movie to move on to, to Sonny, the arrogance and the attitude, he just has it in spades. He has it in, he just carries it so well and it leads to his own death. That is portrayed by uh, his sister's husband that who, who Carlo Carlo, um, which is leads to the great ending of the movie. Um, I think what's interesting, like I, you just kind of touched upon it, and this is I've only pulled one clip because I could pull a million from this movie, but this was the scene that really stood out to me. It's from when Michael and Vito are having a conversation in the backyard. Michael has fully taken over the role of Don, and and Vito tells him what he wishes could have happened to him. I never, I never wanted this for you. I worked my whole life. I don't apologize to take care of my family. And I refused to be a fool. Dancing on the string, held by all those big shots. I don't apologize. That's my life, but I thought that but when it was your time that that you would be the one to hold the strings. Senator Corleone. Governor Corleone. Something. I'm not a person of Well. This wasn't enough time, Michael. It wasn't enough time. We'll get there, Pop. We'll get there. So that 
I think that's just interesting. It's obviously much later in the movie, but it shows Vito's true motivations. And you even see it when, after they have the assassination of, of who? Salonzo um, in, you know, the famous scene in Louis's restaurant where he assassinates them and he fully commits to the mob and he has to retreat to Italy. There's one thing I want to touch upon this movie that I wasn't, I was kind of shocked at how much of it worked as just a thriller in general, where in that scene, oh, yeah. you just mentioned right there of Louis's restaurant, where it was just like the whole entire time I was watching this movie, I was like, holy crap, like, is this going to happen? Is Al Pacino really going to kill these two people? Or is, because the movie really builds it up in a way that you kind of probably forget a little bit on rewatch, but they really build up in a way of, they mm-hmm. take the time to measure it. They make them like, talk about the gun like you know here's how you fire a gun there's really characters talking about it for a while and they really let the scenes breathe where you just think the whole entire time for like 20 or 30 minutes stretch of the movie where you're thinking is uh michael corlone going to go down this path and start killing people and the whole that whole scene is just insane and the violence of this movie also just like that whole scene when louis gets shot right there and the or the, sh- the shot that louis and the police officer gets fucking uh his mccluskey uh, McCluskey, he gets the fucking bullet through his neck and you can hear him choking on his goddamn blood. And it's like, whoa, did not expect this out of the Godfather. I knew it was violent, but not that violent. Well, I think what's interesting about the one, the violence in this movie is that it's it's reserved for very little moments, but when it's there, it's real. Yeah. But, they don't hold I, back. Which I think is credit to Francis Ford Coppola, because from what I've read, he initially didn't want to do this because he read the book. He thought it was kind of sleazy and just beneath him. Paramount commit convinced him where I think it was in you do this, I scratch your back, you scratch my back. We think you're the perfect fit for this. But I also think, and I think for a lot of people who rewatch this movie maybe yearly, like that tension wasn't there for me because I I'm just like, oh, it's coming. Oh, the, oh my god, this is coming. That was my mentality of like the scene is so great, like it's just it's so powerful. I I missed the tension in that buildup and like obviously yeah. I noted, you know, the scene with him and Clemenza with uh, Michael and Clemenza firing the pistol, building it up, where are they going to hide it? Where, what restaurant are they going to the fake out to New Jersey to lose the ta- the Corleone tails on, mm. on the car. It's, it's so masterfully built up. I, you know, you said that it, you, you could cut a little bit here or there. I think I disagree. I don't think you can really trim this movie because I think, the pacing of it is perfect because it felt like it was six hours and it felt like it was one hour all at once to me watching this movie. I just get engrossed. Like I just, I just sink into my couch and I'm like, I could sit here for six hours. I could sit here for an hour. It doesn't matter to me. That's a, that's powerful. This is, I think something I've got to notice on a rewatch. Um, Cause I, f- I definitely am going to rewatch this movie. Um, my first watch though of it, I, I'll admit it was not in the best of the circumstances where I've been working in the middle, uh, middle of a huge stretch of and shows and stuff like that. And then I was in the middle of like, I was like, okay, this is my one time off. So my mind probably wasn't immediately fully there for some scenes. Like uh, the, uh, the Italy scenes for me kind of stretched on a little bit, but maybe I need to be in a better environment. So I'll say that, but in some ways, you know, maybe in a rewatch, I'll be cut a little bit better, but first watch was kind of like, okay, I don't need this part right here. <laughs> I mean that that's fair. I mean I think you could say the the one thing that stuck out to me not as like a red flag but as a as a kind of like what the what the hell's going on here is Michael marries the Italian broad and then he comes back and he finds Kay. He finds Dan Keaton who it's it's so stu- like watching her one she's great but two 
she's so young in this movie it is mm-hmm. like like i picture her and something's got to give that that's forever embrazzled in my brain the the picture of diane keaton i will forever have looking at her she <laughs> is so she is so young in this movie and i know she's it's, only like what like in her early 20s at this so, point yeah something like that and i know they touch more on Kay's perspective in godfather 2 I do wish that we got a little bit more of it in this one because when Michael just kind of shows up at her school and just tells her he's back and it's time, let's get back together. Probably not even mentioning that he was married once before. (laughs) Yeah. It's that part of the movie felt a little bit rushed because it was literally just he married at the school and then they're back together. So it's just like, you have to ask so many questions of this, like how much did Kay know about what happened to Michael, about where he went went for a little bit. I mean, yeah, I know they had the whole scene of him telling her, like, go to New Hampshire, you know, stay with your parents. And that's early. That's when it's still in, that's still when it's like post-war. I can't remember what the years are, but years pass in this movie. Hmm. Like when Michael's in Italy, that's about a full year. And then he's yeah. then we get him, we get the cut to him picking up Kay pretty much seamlessly. Or no, she shows up at the house after I can't remember what exactly what order it is, but it's very close after that. And he says he's been back for a year. So you two years have at least passed since like in that very short duration. If I, anything, it, it would have made more sense for the movie to have more scenes of them uh, breathing because the end of the movie kind of hinges on him lying to her, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's we could just talk about that ending and that look out the door it, and then the, just the door shutting cut to black with Kay looking at her. It's, I mean, it's that's why I said the movie ends perfectly for a sequel. Cause you see that and you want to know what happens next. Where does Michael Corlone go from there? It's just like, and kind of the almost ambiguous end doing that. Unfortunately, it's not ambiguous anymore because we have two Godfather sequels after this. <laughs> yeah. I Listen, God, I haven't, I, my Godfather two, it's been like probably five years since I've seen Godfather two. So it's definitely rusty in that regard. I think I might watch it again this week. Tommy, you have to wait about a year to watch Godfather two because <laughs> uh, spoiler, we're probably going to do Godfather two at some point. If you haven't seen it, eventually, yeah, <laughs> eventually we're going to do Godfather two. So I just, oh, that ending is so goddamn good. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh because it, it was one of those things where like, you, you you it's like literally the hinges on the movie where it's just like that's where you know that michael's become like fully corrupt and fully just like in the world of his family yeah so. and, sh- and she sees she just sees that limited window and her just being th- did he just straight up look at me in the eye and lie to me and i believed him and that doubt had it it does run its course in godfather too i no spoilers but that is definitely part of her story they, they touch upon it yeah it, not so much that specific moment but just everything in that movie and i mean we haven't even talked about the man we haven't even talked about brando the guy i wish just had instagram and just could go like pop up <laughs> and do some live stories because he is just the weirdest human on the face could, could you imagine can you imagine brando of twitter like the crazy shit that would have been tweeted at 2 a.m that this fucker would have been saying <laughs> oh oh my god brando is so <laughs> fortunate that he was before social media oh my god like he even would have been canceled like every day <laughs> oh i'm not even talking about cancel he he would have been like i see him somewhat similar to shia labeouf where it's just like what what the hell is going on here 
some of the stories of Brando in general were like uh, he was filming that movie of Frank Oz and he kept on calling Frank Oz fucking Miss Piggy. He's like, why don't you fuck off, Miss Piggy? <laughs> As you don't know, Frank Oz is the voice of Miss Piggy. <laughs> and Yoda. I I mean, I, I love Brando because I never met him. I think if I met him, I would probably hate him. He's just, he's probably the most interesting person to ever be in Hollywood. Very, he's, he's so very talented. Tro- you see it, you see it on the screen. Compare mm-hmm. it to him in uh, A Streetcar Named Desire to this. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I've I mean, seen that. I've seen that. He yeah. is so goddamn good. And that's when he's young, handsome. And, and he's not that much older. This is roughly 20 years later. I know there's he a lot of makeup been in his on his forties or fifties or something. There, um, there's a lot of makeup on his face in this for sure. Yeah, but I think what what's the one story that the cat in the iconic opening he found that on the lot and just carried it into the set and just like get yeah, we, we're gonna have a cat. <laughs> he, he had the cat power like when he was making the island Doctor Monroe and he just wanted to wear a bucket on his head because he was like it's for the character and the director's like I can't say no to Brando. <laughs> Well, what's the other, I know from one of the other big things on the production was that he didn't like learning his lines. He wanted to just have like a natural flow and think, and you, you feel it in Vito's performance where he's, ah, a lot of, a lot of the, that kind of sound. The, the pauses help because he is apparently just like reading off cue cards uh, yeah, during but, the making of this movie. But like when they're doing <laughs> like, re, like when they're doing the reverse shoulder shot where, where it's Brando. Yeah looking or you know from another character's perspective yeah, yeah. that, so that character's head yeah, or no 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 other other way back of let's say clemenza's head talking okay, to, yeah, yeah. to 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 Vito. he would just like they would have the cue card taped to his stomach <laughs> <laughs> and he would just work off of that i could not imagine working with marlon brando he must have been the biggest pain in the ass one of the great divas of all time I personally love divas. People are people tell me I'm crazy, especially in sports. They're great. They're so good. I don't deal. You with just like people. the drama. <laughs> I don't even like the drama. I just like that they piss people off. They just annoy people to their core. They hate these people. They never met them. You don't know this person. It's all a bunch of hearsay. I mean, Brand- Brando's the kind of type of guy that, like, literally for Superman, he like showed up like last minute and just like didn't give a fuck throughout the whole yeah. movie. And a- an apocalypse now. It- one of the more infamous productions. <laughs> ever apparently he was as bad as a person could possibly be on that set i, oh. I guess the forebear not not in terms of talent but in terms of dickery is uh jared leto of today um i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not saying here that jared leto is close to marlon brown in terms of talent but like uh he'd hear lately about like morbius on the set of morbius uh, jared leto would uh pretend to be crippled so people can um lug him around to the bathroom and eventually he was holding up production so much that staff would wheelchair him to the fucking bathroom so he could go, even though he could walk perfectly fine. <laughs> and, I, and I love the, I think I saw one that was like Robert Pattinson was just like, people only like to method act so they can be assholes without having anything in there. Cause I, I'm. Oh, it's Leto. for the character. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's for the character. It's like, uh, you're just an asshole. If you're an actor, you could just do it. I yeah, think, like, sorry, Joe Leto, Marilyn dead rats your coworkers is not a fucking uh, fun, fun thing to do. <laughs> Jared Leto, what an asshole. <laughs> so that's another tangent for another day, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Worst Joker of all time. Easily. Um, well, th- well, speaking of the Joker, and obviously you have not seen part two, that is one of three awards that the same character played by different actors has been or actresses now 
has been uh, portrayed on the screen. This was the first, and I think probably the most impressive when you think about it. it's in sequence. It's it's the same story. It's the same universe. It's three years apart. It's not two different Batman movies provide different Jokers and two West Side Story adaptations um, mm. provide two different uh, you know best supporting actresses. Um, where not not discrediting any of their performances because some of those performances are some of the greatest performances. It's it's impressive. Ever put it's on. literally yeah. It's it's impressive. That's within like literally the sequel to the next movie that literally De Niro. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we're talking about De Niro and Brando both won the award for playing uh, Vito Corleone. Uh, De Niro, obviously the younger version. <laughs> I, I like that you had to clarify for an audience that has. You're the only I'm person assu- on the earth I'm, that has not seen this movie, Tommy. I'm assuming that there's some person that probably fucking didn't know what you're talking about. So, <laughs> I, well, we'll find. Tell us on Twitter if you know. Tell, let us know if if Tommy was right. Tell me I'm wrong. I was. I want to know. I want to know. You I, weren't. You weren't. It's okay though, sweetheart. It's okay. No, 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 no. Definitely, definitely, I was right. So, uh, and so, but yeah. <laughs> I I found also on this watch for me because this is obviously like fourth or fifth watch or sixth whatever the hell watch it is. I found the the war between the five families towards the end to be more captivating and more pulling in, and how they were really trying to push the Corleone family out because the Corleones were very clearly the dominant family of those five in New York, with the political mm-hmm. influence and the the judicial system influence. That was why he tried to get it. That's why Salonza tried to assassinate him in the beginning of the movie that kind of kicks the story off. And that's why at the end, Abe Vigoda's character, Sal, betrays the Corleones. I, I love that scene too, between him and Duvall, where he just looks at Duvall and be like, could you help me out You know, for, for old time's sakes? It's like, I don't think I could. Because they were selling out Michael to have him assassinated and be like, oh, it's on friendly territory. There's not a problem in the world. It, it, it's it's one of those things like i said earlier this movie was so much of a good thriller that like the whole entire main arching like of the, the five family war things was so compelling where in the beginning of the movie um when vito Corleone gets shot i literally like was said out loud like fuck like brando's already dead in this movie it's only an hour in because i was maybe like an hour or maybe even like 40 minutes it's, into it's the about movie. it's about like the, it's about the 40 minute mark yeah, so like, like I was just like the whole time, like fuck, like I can't believe that this iconic performance and this iconic like fucking character that I've known for years, uh, just through cultural osmosis, dies forty minutes in this movie, and it's like, wait, he's alive, and then just like all the different twists and turns that happen, where it's just like I did not expect this much out of The Godfather. I mean, I expected it to be a fucking great movie. Don't get me wrong, I just expected to be a compelling thriller <laughs> or a good thriller rather. What did you think of the performances in this movie? Did you think? I know, I think Spielberg has said that this was the greatest ensemble of all time. You could even see it when he was that at was the Kubrick. Oscar. Was that Kubrick who said it? Okay. Semantics. Yeah, yeah. Semantics. But I mean, okay. On Spielberg, at the Oscars this year, they had the 50th anniversary, which I was a little disappointed because I thought they could have wheeled out half the cast because there's still a lot of them are still alive. And they only had yeah. uh, De Niro and Pacino. And De Niro's not even in the first one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you could have rolled, you could have rolled out James Caan, Duvall. You could have rolled out Diane Keaton out there. Like, put I, if De Niro was there with everybody, I would have been okay with it. But I thought it was very powerful to see a man like Steven Spielberg, who is just as well regarded, uh, you know, one of the greatest directors of all time, sitting at the Academy Awards with his cell phone out, taking a picture of De Niro, Francis Ford Coppola, 
and uh, Pacino on the stage. I thought that was one of those little things. I was like, that's pretty adorable. That man is almost awestruck at seeing those three reunited on that stage. It just, it, it speaks to the power of the movie. Yeah. It's crazy to think like, you know, like, I mean, granted that was like within Spielberg's uh, like generation of filmmakers, you know, because uh, George Lucas fucking worked on this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, a lot of guys worked on this movie. It's, uh, I just, I. George Lucas is what? The assistant editor? So, or, oh, I, hope, I not, hope not for, for the movie. I would assume not based on his uh, credentials as an editor. Well, there was some things in the production that like basically uh, George Lucas helped out with. I could see um, him doing like a B reel or C reel, you know, C reel director. So this is, I, I pulled it up. I pulled it up. I uh, timed it perfectly. I pulled it up perfectly. Uh, so for, according to IMDb, so, you know, don't know if that's accurate or not, but George Lucas put uh, together the mattress sequence. So it was like the montage of the crime scene yeah. photos. Yeah. And headlines that sounds of the about war right. Between the that five sounds families. about right for, for, so That's he did cool. that. That's cool, though. Um, it's a cool little thing that you wouldn't have. Yeah, you wouldn't have known except for IMDb. And it was a little favor because uh, Coppola helped him out of American and, graffiti, and, T- uh, and I he and I think for TH one one three eight that like his sci fi film, he helped him out with that as well. Um, from what I from what I read, he was like an assistant director mm-hmm. or something on the on that production. But I want to touch upon. Well, Lucas, uh, just the final part on Lucas. Uh, Lucas pretty much just like practically like convinced Coppola to be like, Hey, like you should do this movie. Uh, Cause Coppola didn't want to do this movie. He thought, like you said earlier, like it was just like trash or whatever, just kind of uh, too graphic and stuff. And George Lucas told him to convince the job. Cause he said, Hey, Francis Ford Coppola, your production company owes 600 K to Warner brothers. So you should take this movie. Yeah. He was like, Oh fuck. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, thank God Francis Ford Coppola did. Cause I mean, Francis Ford Coppola has his big three. He's got, the two godfathers and apocalypse now and the rest of his filmography while there's good movies in there is not as the funny thing is this isn't the first francis for coppola film i've seen and it's none of the three that you just what's the other one you've seen it's some Um, crappy horror movie he made in like the 2000s no 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 it's not that it's not that it's um i actually really like this movie a lot it's called uh peggy sue got married and um with kathleen turner and nicholas okay yeah 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 uh Fun, fun little time travel movie, but, but um, I've seen it twice. So I've seen that movie twice before I've seen The Godfather. Did you, did you see anything like stylistically that you can remember from Peggy Sue that kind of compares to this movie? Did you, or was this just completely different from and like directing wise? It was a com- directing wise is completely different because uh, Peggy Sue got married. It's kind of like a fun romantic comedy type thing. So I mean, like I guess maybe like overarching, like we uh, sweeping shots of like that. Uh, Peggy Sue has like big sweeping shots of like them at their like twenty fifth anniversary, high school anniversary. Um, so in some ways, I guess in terms of like cinematography wise, like and Sophia Coppola is also in the movie too. So of course it is. <laughs> we are. Favorite. I forgot we are referring to yeah. Sophia Coppola's father. You know that's what he's famous for. Um, uh, she was born during the production of this movie, apparently. Interesting. <laughs> well. I want to touch upon the thing I teased earlier, what I consider to be the most iconic shot or sequence in the movie, and it is the baptism scene. And that my mother does not like this movie. She is a religious person. She does not like how sacrilege that scene is, which is the point. I tell her every time the movie's on, but I, I had the movie <laughs> on and she 
your mom's too stuck in her ways where she's like, oh no, like no. I mean, listen, she if I if you asked her, is The Godfather like a great movie? She will of course say yes. It just her personal taste would say like I don't yeah. like that part, which is the climax of the movie, and it's so well done. Do you reject Satan and all his works and the killings start happening of all the bosses? Oh, I just I get goosebumps just thinking about it. I just I don't think they could ever make a movie like this again. And I think the fact that it's a one shot, you, you said like this would be a mini series today. I don't think this has the same impact as a mini series as it does as. What's well, weird things with the length that like Coppola originally uh, wanted to have an intermission uh, in the middle of this movie, which um, honestly I'm all for bring back the intermission oh, to movies. Oh my God. Um, Intermissions need to be in the, especially in superhero movies that are th- <laughs> I'm looking at you and game oh, three and like at three hours and 11 minutes long, like just put a five minute intermission in there. My God, man. I'm with you. Well, I saw the hateful eight uh, when they did the road show thing, which added like about like a few more minutes of mm-hmm. uh, footage and uh, Tarantino put in uh, for the road show version of it, uh, an intermission for the hateful eight in the middle of it. And it was the greatest thing. Cause we were all like, fuck, like we all really need to pee. And you just, know what movie like, needed a, just, an intermission? Because we saw it in theaters, unfortunately, The Irishman. That movie needed it. That yeah, movie needed that, that movie. Really, that movie is about a half an hour longer than this one, and this is a long movie. Oh god, no! And that's why that movie, like you saw that graphic on Instagram, that was like people like here to watch how you watch The Irishman in parts, yeah. and just like told you the exact timestamps and shit. Because just honestly, like fuck, like theater movies, I don't have a problem with them, but like if I'm seeing the theater, I don't want to go to the bathroom. So it's just like then you're just you're just sitting. <laughs> Come on, give, you're give me a break. Stuck. I, yeah, sitting there stuck, and you just think about how much you have to pee the whole fucking movie. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's one of the, it's yeah. This movie could use an intermission. I mean, it doesn't really matter now because you're probably odds are you're if you're watching this movie, you're watching it at home on a streaming service, and you can pause, you can pause it. Pause it. <laughs> but man, this movie could could have used an intermission. I am a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a big, bright, shining star. So I want to break this part into two different categories because I, it's such a big cast. Okay. Brando or Pacino, then the secondary characters, you know, your Duvall's, your Khan, and then your third tier characters, kind of like your Clemenza, your little character actors that are in there. Mm. So let's just start because there's, there's, there's two leads. It's Pacino and Brando. Who won the movie between the two of them? I'd say Brando because Brando, honestly, I mean, like when you think about it, Brando's not in the movie as much as you think. He's only in the movie for about an hour total of screen time. So with that, though, he's the thing that people remember the most about this movie. Um, literally one of the alternate posters of this is just Brando in his like suit and tux and whatever. And the fact that like, this character has been lampooning pop culture so much. I mean, like I remember knowing about the Godfathers because of a Rugrats movie when I was a little kid because they had a scene the kids acting out like the on the day of my daughter's wedding thing and just from pop culture osmosis brando i think really is the thing people remember about this movie i think what's interesting and you can tell me if i'm wrong but this is what i'm picking up from what you're telling me about your experience of it because you probably experienced a good amount of this movie through pop culture osmosis without maybe even other understanding it's the godfather but not understanding the context but it feels like that didn't ruin the movie yeah. where I think we've talked about some other movies where you felt I would have probably preferred it if I had seen this version first. 
seeing this movie after well, it being parody. We, you know, we're not going to dig up Dune, but you said, you know. No, no. Um, I'll, I'll just like, for example, like real quick, like I don't want to watch The Sixth Sense because uh, um, I've never seen it, but I know the twist and I feel like the movie's ruined for me because of that. Um, but in this sense, like, you know, there's uh, the one very iconic scene in this movie that we didn't really touch upon yet. Uh, the scene where the Hollywood producer oh, yeah. wakes up in the bed with the fucking well, a horse, uh, the horse head of his prize stallion. We well, didn't touch upon this. Yep. But even though I knew that that was coming um, and I knew what was in that bed, the whole entire time I was like, oh my God, like, fuck. Like, I, I was thinking, like, I wish I didn't know this part right here because it would have been even that much more intense where you're just thinking, holy fuck, like, what's in that bed? Because that's the way the film's supposed to be set up. And still then, even though I knew that, it was still like the music just made me so uneasy right there. The score just hit like a crescendo where it's just like, oh my God, it's just like, even then, even though I knew it was a fucking horse head, I was still like, oh fuck, like what's going on here? Yeah, I <laughs> I agree with you. I, we were going to talk about it more. I just want to touch upon, it's it's very clearly Brando. It's such an iconic performance. I mean, I did the voice as the mm. opening. I've done it a couple of times. Tommy, how is my Brando voice? Do you think it's Okay good one you you get like a like a like a c plus that's fair i'm not an impressionist you know passable enough passable enough to not be terrible i I think our listeners would know what you're going for if i get into the godfather episode (laughs) so i so it's obviously brando i just you have to tip your cap because when you and we mentioned it before but on pacino he it's such it's so different from the breadth of his work and it's maybe the most iconic movie he's done, which is saying something because he has a lot of iconic movies in his filmography. Mm. It's so reserved and it's so dominant and it's so forceful and it changes from, he doesn't show that until the scene at Louis, until where he commits to it and you see that change and he, it's so good. It's so subtle the way it changes. It's, it's a really fantastic performance. It's one A, one B. Let's move on to our second tiers because we were just talking about, you know, maybe one of the most famous scenes in the movie with, with the horse's head. And that is set up by Robert Duvall, who's flying out to help Johnny Fontaine, a.k.a. Frank Sinatra, to get him a movie role with this Hollywood producer. He's, Duvall blew me away, this, this viewing. I knew, I knew he was great. It's a, you can say everything's great about this movie. It, it was the standout performance to me. Again, watching it again for a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever time. Yeah, so uh, it's one of those things that, like, the whole Duvall going to Las Vegas scene could have been LA. easily cut. I mean, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but I mean, it could have been cut, but it ended up being one of the most famous and probably best parts of the movie. Just this little tangent of how you literally see a character say, like, okay, like Robert Duvall, you're gonna go down to Los Angeles and talk to, uh, to get Johnny this role, which, ironically enough, uh, just to touch upon. That's how the actor who played Johnny Al Martino kept his role in The Godfather because he had mob connections. And he, they're like, okay, like Francis Ford Coppola, like don't recast this because he wanted to cast Frankie Avalon. But anyways, Robert Duvall in that scene is just so complaining. He's like, I don't, my boss is the type that wants to hear news immediately. Probably one of my favorite parts. I disagree with you because that scene happens and it's, it's isolated. It could be its own little movie. It could be its own little 10 minute movie. Yeah. You need that scene because you have the wedding which we didn't really touch upon, but I, I mean, it's the wedding. You know what it is. It's so goddamn good. You mm. see these people begging the Godfather for these requests, the respect, the power he gives off, and then they show that power in action and he doesn't lift a finger. 
that is power. You need that because then you have the drugs coming in, the narcotics with Salanza. You need you need to show him being powerful. You need to show his might, why he is so revered and feared, why he has all these connections. What, what it is essentially, what it is essentially, is like an exposition scene. And I'm not saying I hate the scene. I like the scene. It was my favorite part of the movie. But it was one of those things that like. It could have easily been a thing in a lesser movie where they would have like cut that very um, like short and like just would have made it just like a very quick like tangent or montage mm-hmm. of like here's the fucked up things that Brenda did, but they mm-hmm. let it breathe. And I think the movie. Fucking what was what do you mean it by it because... by exposition? Because I I mean I guess you could say it's exposition to show his power, but it's all show don't tell. There is nothing about that that is telling you what is going to happen here. It is. Well, I'm saying the scene itself is expositionary, over just like just pretty much sets you in the the plot or whatever just of the world of like okay we're gonna show you why they, they Ta- like are Tommy, i don't know if you know what exposition is you, and you you'd, I, did I, just yeah, you did, I mean you defined <laughs> exposition perfectly when we were discussing dune where it's just things being related to you that is all show there is no real tell in it it is johnny fontaine has this problem well it's oh okay okay sorry sorry i fucked up this is world building yeah it's well, and it's is. character um, development for the family you need yeah. you need to see the power yeah. because you see him get shot 20 minutes later you need to understand how powerful he is and it's really important and him not lifting a finger says more in my opinion than having him fly out there and having brando do it no having deval do it and he's so good and he's so he has that reserve irishman knowing that he's a part of the family but that little just i'm a part of the family but i'm I'm not. I'm not Sicilian. I'm not the blood, and the blood matters in this universe. Um, also, just to touch on it, James Khan. We mentioned it before. I would put Duvall over Khan in this, maybe because Duvall is more screen time. I mean, you're picking apples and oranges here. Khan hated this movie because uh, uh, Khan did not like this movie at first because they cut out like fucking like 48 minutes of his. Uh... I, fucking screen time. <laughs> I love James Conn because James Conn is just on Twitter now, just tweeting out his like Angry Birds high scores. And every story about James Conn is how big of a prick he is pretty much his entire career. Like yeah. even Elf, all the way up to Elf, <laughs> he hated the production. Everything I hear about James Conn is he just hated the production of it. But now he's just a he just yeah, now he's just a grumpy guy on Twitter and he's he didn't go the James Woods route of like you know, tanking your career for politics. He just tweets out Angry Birds high scores. And I tip my cap to you, James Conn. And how he ends every tweet with... End of tweet. tweet. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, how did I... I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Best. That's, that's my fault. <laughs> it's the best It's the best part of, the, of his Twitter presence. Yeah. And also to touch on it, you know, Abe Vigoda was fantastic in this. Um, Richard Castellano as Clemenza. I, I love that there's just a big fat guy in the mob. Um, so uh, I, I loved his performance in the movie, but his most famous line, the take the canola, leave the gun, um, take the canola. The, gun. I, the whole scene, I, I was confused for a minute because I was like, wait, is like this where he dies? Like, I thought that because they're building up to mm-hmm. that. Um, you probably might have not remember that, like, on like certain rewatches, but they really built up to it to think that uh, Clemenza is the one that's gonna yeah. die right there. And it's another way of like Francis Ford Coppola just knowing how to deceive us in a way where just like build up the suspense where it's just like okay well who's done honestly talking about the godfather makes me want to read the book and see because he called it sleazy and i would say this movie hides the sleaze really well it's it's there but it 
it it's elegant it's elevated like we compared it to goodfellas versus the godfather this is this is it seems very classy the mob it's it became almost inspirational to get to it because this is the world that they live in this is what a lot of americans assumed the mob to be i want to see what coppola found in the book and it's probably the scene about sonny's penis they want to what he found to be really that sleazy what was cut what wasn't cut it's also like 700 pages book from the 70s so i I don't know if i'm actually going to read it but he wanted to like cut the whole uh horse hunting uh, cutoff scene but he realized he couldn't because he's like this is one of the most iconic scenes in the book it also (laughs) as he said it shows his power like you you need that scene yeah you need that scene so that you're not like was this guy just on the way out anyway no no no. he was still very powerful here and this would be a lot different if Um, he was not assassinated uh, or attempted to be assassinated last tangent i want to go off just on the horse head because so much things we could talk about from that uh apparently during rehearsals it was a fake horse head and then during the actual filming of it they put in a real horse head and the urban legend is that the actor in that scene was actually screaming for real because he didn't expect a fucking real oh, horse head. Actually, that's that. funny because I thought his <laughs> screams were the worst part of the worst performance in the entire movie. He was great up to that point. I, I, I snicker when there's bad high acting. I always laugh when it. I started. I did a like. I it, it came out of me. I was just. I could. I could. I couldn't stop. I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. It. it and not that it was bad, it was just so like, oh, it was campy, so campy in a movie yeah. that's not campy at all. <laughs> it felt like it was yeah. out of Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some like campy ass horror movie where it's just like, what? <laughs> ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow, so, this bit doesn't really work here, huh? Yeah, so uh, does this movie work as a Muppet adaptation? I'm going with I mean, no. I mean, obviously serious. it doesn't work <laughs> as a Muppet adaptation, but God damn it, do I want to see them try? Kermit would have to be Vito, probably. Or no, you have to keep uh, one. Yeah. You keep one human. You keep one human. So it was Brando the human. No, I think it's I think it's Pacino. Or or you keep Clemenza, and everybody else is a Muppet. <laughs> just for <laughs> just for leave fuck. the guns take the leave the gun take the cannolis. That's the only reason we would keep Clemenza as. The human. Fozzie is obviously uh, Johnny the oh, singer. <laughs> Fozzie would be the singer. I yeah, Kermit would be Vito. Yeah. Who would be my, maybe Sam the Eagle would be would be Michael. Sonny. No, Sonny, Sam, they would be Sonny. No, I was gonna say uh Sonny or Robert Duvall. Yeah, well, I know I'm trying to then who would be Michael? Because maybe maybe it's Kermit's Michael. No, 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 Michael's like uh the new one from the Jesus No, no, Eagle we're not movie. we're not talking about that. Um, even though I like that movie, even though I oh, I know it's good. good, it's good, but he's not. You can't even remember his name. No, no. Well, well, then what, what's Kermit's nephew then? Robin? Yeah, yeah. No, you know who would be? No, no. Kermit is Michael, and you have um, you have Waldorf be Vito. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how that would work. That would be great. So again, <laughs> hit us up. We're we're just bringing the Muppets back to relevance, and nobody nobody seems to care. So you know, come on, Disney, throw some of that yeah, Muppet money. Throw us some of that Muppet <laughs> money. But anyway, Tommy. Review time. It's time. It's time for the show. All right. So um, I feel a little sacrilegious right here because I'm not giving this a full five out of five stars. <laughs> it feels very much sacrilegious. Where it's like, come on. Uh, but that being said, uh, I did love this movie. This movie is one of the greatest movies of all time for a reason, and known as that. I just wish that there's maybe this will improve on a rewatch and it will become a five out of five. 
but some of the scenes in Italy for me kind of felt like they dragged on a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit. So that's the one part of the movie where I have a little bit of criticism. So for that, I can't really say, call it a five out of five for me because I need to be a movie where I just constantly engage and constantly just love it throughout. But the acting, cinematography, I mean, so many things we've heard before about this movie and the fact that like it was engaging through almost throughout, except for a little portion flat. So for this, I'm giving this a 4.5 out of five really like this movie just yeah i'm gonna watch it again so maybe my rating will improve I, next time so yeah i i'm gonna give this a five out of five i it's it's a landmark american movie it's one of the most iconic movies ever made everything down from the direction the performances to the costumes to the sets to the to the sound design everything about it is perfect could you trim out a little bit of Italy? Maybe, but it, I think Italy is a pretty tight story. Like, I don't, I don't think there's fat on the story that they tell. And it's not as much time as you yeah. think it is. It's just, and your first viewing, it feels almost out of place, but it's all about Michael's progression and where some of the anger, I think, comes from, from his wife dying. That you kind of see fun-loving Michael in Italy when he doesn't have to be involved in the mob and he doesn't have to be involved in that. And when his wife dies, you see the real stark change. To me, that's what that sequence indicates. And that's why it's important. It's a five out of five. It's it's one of the greatest movies of all time. Last week on The Sandlot, I said in 50 years, people will probably still be watching The Sandlot. That may be true. In 100 years, people will still be talking about this movie. This is one of the movies that people are going to talk about for like the end of the time. So um, I, I maybe I'm being a little nitpicky, but that's why I gave it a 4.5 out of 5. But you know, I'm, I'm excited to see this, see this movie again, see if my opinion changes. Yeah that's the godfather tommy do you have any final words any final thoughts on the godfather so really excited to see godfather in a year uh, check out any year so in a year in a year but otherwise you know follow us on social media at seen it pod uh on twitter and instagram and also give us five stars when you listen so thanks guys thank you all very much for listening we're going to come back in a week and we're going to come out with basic instinct we'll talk to you then